You're listening to the Master Your Mind, Business, and Life podcast, episode number three. Have you ever had a scary situation or a near-death experience that made you question your legacy? What about one that made you change courses in life? Today, I'm meeting with Lance Loya, college basketball coach turned author, blogger, and speaker. He's sharing his own personal life-changing story and will teach us why it's important to be a good teammate and how to shift into the we mindset. Are you ready? Tune in, turn it up, let's go. You're listening to Master Your Mind, Business and Life. Conversations with everyday world shifters, truth seekers, and rule breakers. Here's your host, Lauren Smith. Hey everyone, it's Lauren Smith, and today I have Lance Loya joining me. He's a college basketball coach turned author, blogger, and professional speaker. He's known for his enthusiastic personality and his passion for transforming team busters into teammates. Lance is the author of the children's book, Be a Good Teammate, and the adult nonfiction titles, Building Good Teammates, Teammate Tuesdays, and the soon-to-be-released The We Gear. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today, Lance. Hi, Lauren. I'm so glad to be here. Oh, wonderful. So I know I just went over that you transform team busters into teammates. What (laughs) is a team buster? Team buster. Yeah, it's, you know, they bust up the team. That may not be the most eloquent terminology, but it's the most descriptive of anyone who's ever been a part of any team, sports or otherwise, who's had a toxic teammate, you know, there's this really selfish individual on their team. They know how miserable it is and they know that's exactly what it does. It busts up the team. And I like to say that selfishness sinks ships. Friendships, partnerships, relationships, even leaderships, selfishness sinks ships. And a team buster, they're the one that takes the, the ship plummeting to the depths of the abyss. Ooh, I love that. So I became a loyal reader of your Teammate Tuesday blog post back in December when my friend, also your family member, tragically passed away at a young age. You had written a blog about him, and within that blog, you wrote, good teammates use their gifts to touch the lives of others. And that statement hit me hard in numerous ways. Because that's actually one of the goals of this podcast. I want to use this platform to help others share their message, and journeys with hopes that it will resonate with and ultimately shift the lives of others. So before we really dive in to really learning more about what it is to become a good teammate and what that actually means, can you tell us your story and the series events that took you from basketball coach to author and speaker? <laughs> well, first off, thank you for subscribing and reading Teammate Tuesdays, the blog. I'm blown away by how much uh, growth has occurred with that blog. You know, it started out as me forcing a few of my, you know, cousins and close relatives, making them put their emails and sign up. And now it's it's blown up to you know, there's thousands and thousands of people read it every week, and uh, I'm very encouraged by that. So I'm glad uh, that's touched you too. So I guess let's go back. <laughs> Where do you start with any journey, right? <laughs> right, so, exactly. <laughs> here's, here's how the good teammate, and that's what we call it, the good teammate journey started for me. So I was. I was I was pursuing what I thought was my life's ambition, being around sports. And when you're done being a player and you still want to be around sports, there's not much, I know not many other options other than you go into coaching. And that's, that's was the path I was on. Um, 
and I had an experience that kind of changed my my perspective on what I was doing and allowed me to discover uh, what is in essence a new purpose in my life. I had a player win an award. I was coaching at this small private uh, Division III NCAA school, and I had a player win an award that, you know, schools that our size and our level, they, they didn't typically win. The award was um, – was basically it was an award for being uh, a good citizen. It was people who use their their position as a student athlete to go make a positive impact in their community. And you know, on the way home, on the flight home from watching this player receive the award, I had an experience that uh, that I'd never had before. I was on one of those really turbulent flights. Now, Lauren, do you like to fly? Oh. I I do, but not when there's turbulence. <laughs> Well, I, I, the crap out I, of me. I know, right? I'm a reluctant flyer. And oh. it, to describe the idea uh, being on a really bumpy, turbulent flight to somebody who's never been on it, it's like being on the world's steepest roller coaster and going over that steepest jump over and over again. And you're, you know, you're, you're, heart and your stomach end up in the back of your throat and it's scary. Right. Well, as I'm bouncing around in my seat, a thought occurred to me that I never really had before. I thought, what if this is it? What if this is how it all ends for me? And this is how it goes. And I thought, well, at the time I had two preschool aged daughters and I thought, well, what about them? You know, if I had one last phone call and I thought about the, the passengers from the flight 93 flight from September 11th, um, and I thought about them, and I remember watching documentaries, and they, you know, many of them were making one last phone call to their loved ones. I thought, all right, what if I had one last phone call? What, what final bit of advice would I want to leave with my daughters? Uh, what would it be? And that's, I think, what I tell them, I love them. Well, that's good. But is that really going to be the kind of fatherly advice that, that's going to serve them well and position them in life to, to experience success? And I thought, that's probably not the right advice. So I started thinking about how I got to be on that plane to begin with. And it was that player and, you know, the award he won. And I thought about the, that young man and, you know, he wasn't the best player on our team. He didn't score the most points. He really wasn't that tall, couldn't jump very high, wasn't very fast. In fact, he really didn't even get to play that much. <laughs> but everybody on the team loved this guy. You know, they loved him because he always put the team first. He just loved being a part of the team. They were always so supportive of him because he was so supportive of the team. You know, they loved him because he was a good teammate. And there it was. That's the advice I decided I need to give my daughters. Just be a good teammate. When you're a good teammate, you know, you're always going to be surrounded by a support network because people can't, they, they want to be, they want to hang out with, they want to surround themselves uh, with caring, kind-hearted people. So you don't have a support network. If you're a good teammate, you're always going to have financial security in your life because companies can't wait to hire people who put the needs of their team ahead of their own agendas. So check wow. number two. And then, yeah. then finally, you know, maybe the most important thing, when you're a good teammate, you're going to have purpose in your life. You know, and purpose comes from serving something. And good teammates serve the needs of the team. Service leads to purpose. Purpose leads to happiness. Now, there's like some, some, some in-depth thoughts. How do you convey something that abstract to a kindergartner, yeah. you know, that, that was the challenge. Um, you draw pictures. And that's what I did. When I got home, I sat down on my little desktop computer with my little printer, and I sketched out these little drawings 
And I, I detailed what it means to be a good teammate, why they should be a good teammates and printed them off, folded them in half and always ever supposed to be. In fact, on the cover uh, in the book, it says by coach Lance Lee, who calls himself coach Lance. It's like <laughs> it was a joke. It was, you know, Dr. Seuss. I remember my kids like Dr. Seuss, I'm like, well, Dr. Seuss, but doctor. And, you know, and he wasn't a real doctor. Right. I, I am a real coach. And, and I remember people would always tell me, you know, and, and if you've ever had children who are involved in sports, parents could tell their kids, they tell them over and over and kids just look at them like they're idiots. They don't listen. But if right. a coach tells them, well, then it's gospel truth. They listen to the coach. So that, all right, I'm going to put coach on there. So that's what it is. And I folded it in half and I thought it was, it was never meant to be anything other than a bit of lasting advice of, for my daughters if something should ever happen to their dear old dad. Well, you know, as those things go. Uh, my wife shows it to some of her dance mom friends who show some of their friends and it, it becomes a published book. And the message of the book really resonates with me. It takes off. The book was written on a premise that do two things. The first is they care, share, and listen. And, and every attribute of a good teammate comes down to one of those three categories. And the second thing is you don't have to play sports to be a good teammate. I started getting asked to come to elementary schools and I'd be invited to children's book festivals and things like that. And I would always hear the same thing, no matter where I went, when it was over, there'd always be a principal or a parent who would come up to me after and says, you know, you ought to write an adult version of that book. Cause we got some people that work here or we got some people that work at my job that don't know how to be a good teammate. And eventually it led to uh, an adult nonfiction book called building Goodmates. Now, what I learned from that book and in that process uh, was really every problem we have in our society comes down to people not being good teammates. First of all, they don't see themselves as being part of a team and everybody's part of a team. You know, you look around your place where you work, that's a team. You know, if you go to school as a student, that's a team. If you live in a community, that's your team. Even your family is a team. There are teams everywhere. Everybody belongs to a team. Most of us belong to more than one team. And ultimately, you know, how good we are at our role in that team is to find what kind of teammate we are. Now, the other part of it is uh, when you look at all the problems we have in our society, from school bullying to, you know, the domestic violence to um, the heroin, opioid epidemic, even like the shenanigans that go on in, in Wall Street and in politics, all it comes down to people not being good teammates because they really don't appreciate how their choices affect those around them, i.e. their teammates. Right. So those type of people, you would consider them being in the me gear instead of the we gear, right? Yeah. I, I get asked, all right, so I've devoted um, the last several years of my life to really just to studying and just dissecting and really trying to understand this, this very, very unique demographic who I've, I've come to identify and call good teammates. And you find them in all walks of life. I found them at busboys and pizza parlors, uh, teachers, they're police officers. They're, they're like the, the most enthusiastic member of this, in the secretarial staff. They're everywhere. And, and what propels their teams to success is this, this mindset of these individuals. So as I studied them, um, I realized how important they are to every team. So someone who studied the art of being a good teammate, explain it. Now, the best way I, I've come to explain that is 
through something that is essentially a lost art, shifting gears. Do you know how to drive a manual transmission? Uh, it depends who you ask. <laughs> because if you ask my dad who taught me on his really old easy truck where you basically just had to like slide it and had no problems. Yeah, I can drive right. a shift stick, but you ask anyone else whose car I've tried to drive. No, I cannot drive a stick ship. Well, even though your answer may be in that gray area, I will tell you that you're probably ahead of the game. In fact, I know you're ahead of the game because statistically only 18% of licensed American drivers uh, know how to drive manual wow. transmission. In fact, only 3% of the cars uh, sold in the United States come with a manual transmission. Yeah, so you don't really see them much anymore. Yeah. It seems strange to explain the art of being a good teammate through what is essentially a lost art. But it's, a, it's an analogy that, that really works, and here's why. Uh, think of a manual transmission. Uh, let's go. Let's, let's revert back for those poor, unfortunate uh, listeners who don't know how to drive a manual transmission. Let's back it up. You, automatic transmission. You put the car in D, it goes forward. You put it in R, it goes backwards. You're ready to stop. You put it in P. Just don't put it in P when you're still moving forward or backwards. The P is not going to stand for park. It's going to stand for problem. Right. Broken <laughs> transmission, right? So manual transmission. You got to manually maneuver those gears. So if you're going up a hill and you want to go, you need more power, you downshift to low gear. You're on a highway, you need more speed, you upshift to a higher gear. Now, before you shift gears, you have to manually depress the clutch pedal. And it's that, ooh, that mysterious third pedal that automatic cars don't have. Mm -hmm. Now, when you push in the clutch pedal, you got to quickly make a decision which gear you're going to shift it into. Now, as humans, we have clutch moments in our lives. It's those moments that require us to make a quick decision of which way we're going to proceed. Now, when a good teammate comes to a clutch moment, they shift from me to we. Most people stay in the me gear. That's their, the epicenter of our selfishness. It's where everything's about me. What's in it for me? How does this benefit me? But when good teammates, this demographic, come to those clutch moments, they ask themselves one simple question, and that's how they notice shift into the we gear. What's best for my team? And that's the way they go. And they do that way consistently and without exception. Is the we gear. I like that. So what about someone who maybe you are a good teammate and you show up to work every day and your family and your home and, and you're always thinking about you know, the bigger picture and, and the bigger purpose. But what if you come across someone who's still stuck in that you know, me mindset? How can you help them come to self-realization? I mean, obviously, we could just hand them one of your books, but you know, but what else could you yeah, do? Yeah, do that. <laughs> do that. No. So I think there's two parts to your answer. The first part is when I go out to a, a, a group and I'm speaking to a group, sometimes I like to ask them, I'll start the presentation off with, I'll ask them very simply, all right, raise your hand if you're a good teammate. And overwhelmingly, Almost everybody in the audience raises their hand, and we know that statistic. That just can't be true. Right. Uh, otherwise, that whoever the organization that hired me to come in and speak to that group wouldn't have wasted their time hiring me because we know someone in there, and probably more than just someone, is not a good teammate. They're having some kind of issue. Now, when I ask that group, it usually divides uh, the audience into several different categories. You get the group who raise their hands because they believe they are. I mean, whether they really are or not, remains to be seen, but deep down in their heart, they really, truly, 
genuinely believe they are good teammates. They raise their hands. Then you got the group who they raise their hands, but they know deep down in their heart, they're a little too selfish, too self-centered to really be a good teammate. They know that, but they don't think anybody else knows it. And they certainly don't want anybody to know that they're willing to admit that. So they raise their hand. And there's always like this, you can always spot the people in that group because they kind of sheepishly look down at the group and don't make right. eye contact when they raise their hand. And then there's like this collective rolling of the eyes of everybody sitting behind them. <laughs> Because we think they don't know, but our teammates always know. You can't they fake know. being a good teammate. Then there's that third group who didn't bother to raise their hands, either because they, A, know they're a bad teammate, B, they're just too lazy to raise their hand, in which case they're telling the truth because they are a bad teammate. We'll probably C, they, uh, you know, they're just being uh, uh, modest. Right. They're probably better than they think they are. Now, when you look at all those groups, it's a very classic Dunning-Kruger effect. Now, um, if you're unfamiliar with the term, it's a psychological uh, theory that says, in essence, as humans, you know, we're not very good at making a self-assessment of ourselves. You know, we don't know what we don't know. And when it comes to being a good teammate, a lot of times that's the case. People don't really know what it means to be a good teammate. So that's the first problem. So when you come to how do you help someone who's a bad teammate? Well, you got to get them to understand what it means to be a good teammate. Mm. Uh, the second part of it is, there are some people who just have broken transmissions. If you look at the, what I mentioned earlier, the opioid epidemic, uh, in anybody who's really dealing with addiction, they're a team buster. They're, they're busting up their teams. They don't realize uh, the effect their choices are having on everybody else around them. But for that individual, it's like driving a car with tinted windows that are so dark that nobody can see in. And the driver can't see out. And they're so stuck and so narrow-minded. They don't, how, how do you know when clutch moments happen? How do you know when to shift gears? You can't tell. In essence, those individuals have broken transmissions. So the only way you're going to get them out of the me gear is to repair their transmissions. Ooh. And how do you repair their transmissions? Well, the, the first stage, you got to get them to understand they have a broken transmission. It may not be their fault. Think of our own cars break down, break down all the time. And rarely is it the result of something we did. People don't slam their car in the park when they're going forward. Uh, it breaks because something wears out. Uh, something, another car hits some, some, something impacted their car that caused that transmission to break. Um, so we got to get them to understand this. Now, uh, everybody's got pet peeves. Uh, and people often introduce me as a life coach. <laughs> and, and I like to correct them. I'm not a life coach. I'm an alive coach. And here's Ooh. what that means. What, what, if, what I've come to realize when I'm studying this group, first is they have this unique ability to not worry about things that are beyond their control, yet obsess about things that are within their control. The second thing good teammates do, uh, they have these five recurring behaviors. So you don't have to be tall to be a good teammate. You don't have to be fast. You don't have to be strong. You don't have to be good looking. You don't even have to be intelligent, really. You just have to be alive. Now, there's dual meaning to that. First of all, yes, anybody with a pulse can be a good teammate if they choose to be. Uh, second of all, it's an acronym. And the acronym stands for active, loyal, invested, viral, and empathetic. And those are the five recurring behaviors uh, of all good teammates. And if you notice, all five of those are within our control. We have a choice in how we do them. 
So let's take a minute here and let's talk about those five behaviors and let me explain exactly what they mean yes. and how easy it is uh, for anyone to adopt these behaviors. Um, now the reality is you may be better at one than the other, but it, but it's possible to be good at all five of them. It's just a matter of which one you need to put more emphasis on in your life. All right. A stands for active and people are active or people of action. It means they see a problem, they act on it. I can't tell you, Lauren, how many schools I have visited over the years, and they all inevitably have that pride sign, which usually somewhere near their, their gymnasium. It's tiger pride or bulldog pride, warrior pride. And, and I can't help but notice how many times I've walked right by that pride sign only to see a rather large weed growing up through the crack in their sidewalk hmm. or an crumbled up candy bar wrapper laying in the hallway. And I always wonder how many of those proud people walked right by that candy bar wrapper and didn't bother to pick it up. How many of those proud people walk right by that weed and didn't bend over and pull it out? Most of us see those things and we notice them and we complain about them. We say, oh, it's tragic. You blame the custodians or the, you know, the house cleaners for not doing their job. You blame the leadership of the school for not being more demanding and having, you know, getting this under control. Well, the reality is, is if you have pride and you're a good teammate, you don't worry about whose job it is. You don't complain about somebody not doing their job. You see a problem, you act on it. And that's what it means to be active. Hmm. Next behavior uh, is loyal. Now, good teammates take a cons- uh, markedly different approach to loyalty than what most of us do. Uh, have you heard the expression, you know, loyalty is a two-way street. You got to give it to receive it. I think, yes. Uh, everybody hears that, right? Not true. In fact, for good teammates, it couldn't be farther from the truth. Good teammates don't see loyalty that way. They are loyal to things that they believe in, and they see it as a gift. Their loyalty is a gift, and they don't worry about what they, you know, they don't have an expectation of getting something in return for their gift. Um, it's almost funny, but you use the, the analogy, if you've ever heard this one, and sometimes they'll use it uh, when explaining the loyalty of a pet. And for pet lovers, they'll appreciate this. If you were to lock your, your dog, your pet dog and your spouse in the trunk of a car and drive around for several hours, when you open that trunk, one of them is going to get out and greet you very excitedly. And the other's probably not going to, <laughs> well, you know, the loyalty of that pet is how lo- good teammates are. They're loyal to things they believe in and they don't have an expectation of getting something back in return. Uh, I stands for invested. Oh, when I first started studying this group, I initially called the behavior interested, as in they took an interest in me. Now, Lauren, did you have a favorite teacher growing up? Yes, I still admire that teacher to this day. Who was it? She was Mrs. Holtz, my second grade teacher. Ah, and then I think about that second grade. That's like beginning of your school, your your academic career. Right. What was so special about Mrs. Holtz? she made me feel special and she made everyone feel special. I think that's what it was. She had this great environment. When you walked into her classroom, she was always smiling. Um, If you had a bad day, she would take it out of her time to sit down and talk to you. Like you were a human, not just you were another person in her class. Whereas my third grade teacher, complete opposite. I hated going to school. I hated going into her class. You walked in, it was like a dungeon in there. It's just, it, the energy was completely different. Dude, I don't know if you come up with a better segue and it was done completely innocently on your part. So uh, 
if we were to carry on this conversation, I bet in a very short amount of time, you would inevitably say, uh, Mrs. Holtz took an interest in me. And there's yeah. just something so empowering about someone you respect, someone who you, you look up to, who takes an interest in you. And that's what good teammates do. Only interested isn't a sufficient label. Like, you know, uh, good teammates aren't just interested, they're invested. And here's the difference. An invested person does everything that an interested person do. And interested people, they want to know about you. They want to know your family. They want to know who you, who's sick in your family. They want to know how your great Aunt Betty's doing. And they want to know all those things about them. And if you succeed, they're genuinely happy for you. Now, an invested pe- person, an invested teammate does everything that an interested teammate does. Plus one more thing. They see your failures as their failures. Ooh. Oh, I just got goosebumps. That's now, good. <laughs> so the segue, the next behavior is viral, V-I-R-A-L. Uh, I bet if you went back and asked Miss Holtz, your second grade teacher's colleagues at the time, not her students, but her colleagues, what kind of coworker she was, I bet they loved her and I bet they described her. She was a good teammate because she has, from what you've described to me, uh, the characteristic of being viral. When good teammates walk into the room, there's this like encouraging, hopeful, optimistic, positive energy that kind of flows in with them. People like being around them. And, you know, when a good teammate takes action, they inspire others to take action. And that's what it means to be viral. Or the most crucial of all four of them. Because if you did active, loyal, invested, viral, but you might not necessarily be a good teammate. The fifth behavior is empathetic. Now, there's the difference between empathy and sympathy. Sympathy is you feel bad for somebody. Empathy is you feel what it's like to be somebody else. Now, if you're going to shift into the we gear, there has to be a reason for shifting, and your empathy is your reason. And that's why it makes the fifth and most critical uh, of the five behaviors. Uh, good teammates have this, and of all their unique characteristics, this might be the most special. They have this ability. They are very much aware of how you know, their actions affect other people, especially when it comes to like annoying little habits. You know, it's smacking your lips when you chew or talking too loudly, those type of things. They are aware that that annoys other people around them, and they make a conscious effort not to do it. I mean, most of us hate to be convenienced. They hate be, most people in the me gear hate being inconvenienced and they don't mind inconveniencing anybody else. People who are in the we gear are the exact opposite of that. They go out of their way not to inconvenience or annoy other people, yet they never mind being inconvenienced for something that is good for the team. Mm-hmm. And that's basically what it means to be empathetic. I love that. Alive. So alive a l i v so you understand i'm not a life coach alive i love that and i like that you broke down sympathy and empathy because a lot of people don't understand how they differ so thank you for breaking they, that down they get they get you know, mumbled together sometimes uh, but they're very much different sometimes sometimes empathy leads to sympathy sometimes it doesn't sometimes it leads to drawing a hard line in the sand and it leads to tough love yeah. So true. So I, you have two young daughters. I have two young daughters. And as we know, and any good parent knows that the good habits and great mindsets, they start at a young age. And that just really helps the child a stronger foundation for being a good teammate and just a better person in life. 
the people who you've come across who are a bad teammate, have you found through mm-hmm. research or study that being a bad teammate was impacted by their childhood? They had a traumatic childhood experience. They didn't have parents who demonstrated being a good teammate. Is there anything you know that's conclusive about this or is it just kind of all over the map, different reasons for different people? I would say all of the above. <laughs> all of the above. <laughs> Here, here's what I say. First of all, I don't spend a lot of time studying bad teammates. I spend most of my time studying good teammates and realizing that anybody can be a good teammate. Now, in that process of studying, well, I look at them, well, what happened to you early in your life? How did you become a teammate? How, how did you have this mindset? I would say all of us are a product of our experiences, uh, yes. for better or worse. Uh, the unique thing about this group, I have found them to have all kinds of backgrounds. Some have had like the most amazing childhoods with the most amazing, caring, supportive parents. And they are very solid families. Others have had just terrible, terrible upbringings, uh, b- bounced around in, in foster care. Their parents were drug addicts. They had murders in their families when they were younger, all these tragic things. And yet they still emerged to have this, this, so unique mindset and we're still good teammates. So I guess that answers your question in all of the above. Yeah. So it really just, it comes back to mindset in the end. It really just comes back to you're empowered by the choice that you make and you almost have to just shift your mindset is all it's really about. Right. Very much so. Very much so. I like to call the actions, the good teammates. We talked about a being for active, those actions, I call them good teammate moves, and it's a phrase that works. Uh, people you know, gravitate towards it, and, and it's, it's, I don't know if you call it clever marketing or, or how you want to label it, but uh, you could, I could say to people, you know, kind gestures, or I could say, um, you know, be nice. Or, yeah, do, you know, do a small act of kindness for somebody. But when you call them good teammate moves, people understand that. Because think about it, if you're if you're a basketball player, for instance, you got to go on moves. You spin, you go between your legs, you go behind your back. All these great moves. The more moves you have, the better basketball player you are. If you're a good dancer, you can I don't you can you you can plie, you can uh, you can floss, whatever. I don't know. It, <laughs> you know the more more, the your more girls dance are good moves at flossing. Have, <laughs> I know, right? Uh, what what <laughs> the more dance moves you have the better dancer you are. People understand that. So for a good teammate, the more good teammate moves you make, the better teammate you are. Um, So that's a phrase I like to call those actions, good teammate moves. That's awesome. Before we go on, your phrase, good teammates care, good teammates share, good teammates listen. How did you come up with those three undisputed characteristics of a good teammate? (laughs) All right. The heart and truth of that. I was standing, uh, working with some, I had been asked to come to this elementary school and I was standing, talking to some kids, doing some basketball drills with them. It was part of our community service when I was coaching. So we took our players to this place and it was one of those moments. I, I kept telling those kids, I knew I wanted to tell them to be good teammates. I kept telling that, well, there was probably someone who was about as tall as shoulders came up to my knees. And it's one of those moments they pull on your shirt and they look and you look down at them and they look up at you with these huge round, Oh, puppy dog eyes. eyes. Yeah. Yeah. And every parent knows that look. And with the complete sincerity, this child says to me, well, what's a good teammate? 
Mm. And you thought, wow, right? You got to define it. So how do you define it for someone that simple? So I said, oh, what do good teammates do? Well, they care about things. I mean, things matter to them. When something good happens to you, good teammates are happy for you. They're not jealous. When something bad happens to you, they're, you know, they don't rejoice in your misfortune. They're there to help pick you up, sometimes literally, sometimes figuratively. So they care more. So that was number one. That's why I care. Uh, and then uh, share. Well, we've been taught to share since we were you know, a small child. Preschoolers are taught to share. You got to share your toys, share with your sister, share with your brother, share, share, share. Well, there's more that good teammates can share than just their possessions. You know, good teammates share their time. They share their energy. You know, those things are perhaps more important. They share advice. You know, they're not stingy with those type of things. And you know, that's how they share. And then finally, listen. Well, you know, I think it's probably one of the most important things any good citizen does. They listen to authority. You got to follow the rules. Uh, and that's good. But I think good do more than just listen to the authority. And for kids, I say, you got to listen to your coach. And your coach is your parent, your teacher, your principal, whoever it is, the police officers. Uh, but you also got to listen to your own teammates. Those are the people around you. Because if you really listen to what they have to say and don't focus on the next thing you want to say or what you have to say, if you really listen to what they have to say, they will give you all the information you need to serve their needs. Mm. They'll give you everything you need to do to be a good teammate to them. Mm. So and what? if you think back to the if, if you think back to the alive, they're giving you your why. Ooh. Okay. So Lance, what have you learned from all of this? What's been your biggest takeaway from this journey so far? I should say that you know, eventually this this became you know, my life's work, my you know, the passion of my life, getting people to be better teammates. And the reason is. I believe, I really genuinely believe that the answer to all those problems plaguing our society, um, and a lot of it started with the opioid epidemic, right? how do we stop that? We get people to, to think like a good teammate, to start appreciating how their choices affect everyone else in their team and getting them to see themselves as somebody's teammate. And that became my passion. In essence, it's, it's my crack at world peace. Mm. A lot of people, they would, like, they would like things to be better, and they see things and they think, oh, that's terrible. And it's great that they recognize that something's bad. But what actions are they really taking? Right. They're not taking they're that better. action. They're not, they're, they're not being a good teammate. So this, this is my action. It's my crack at uh, hokey as it may be at world peace. So every day, every day my daughters uh, come home from school and I ask them the same three questions. And uh, I happen um, to live near Disney World in Orlando and you know around here it's there's a popular Disney expression where Walt Disney famously said we must never forget that all this started with a mouse mm. and I feel that same way about my mission my purpose oh, we must never forget this all started with a children's book and a message for kids wow. care share listen so every day my daughters come home from school and I ask them the same three questions I ask them what'd you eat for lunch today Who'd you play with at recess? And did you make any good teammate moves? Uh, now, very honestly, you know, any parent will attest, it is like pulling teeth <laughs> yeah. to get your kids to tell you something about their day. So the yeah. first two questions, 
they're just like, they're my setup questions. Yeah. My prime <laughs> Sometimes I hear interesting things. I know that they ate cupcakes instead of, you know, their chicken nuggets for lunch or whatever. And I hear they, what they did at recess. And those are interesting, but I don't really care about those first two ones. They're just my prime to pump, the communication pump questions. Right. It's that third question. Did you make any good teammate moves today? And I hear the most heartwarming stories, the kind of stories that just make my heart smile. I hear things like, you know, uh, there was a boy in my daughter's class who, who didn't have any crowns of his own. So he always had to borrow the other kids' crowns whenever their class wanted to color something in. Uh, so one day my daughter wins the math contest in her class, uh, spelling contest. I'm not sure. She wins this contest in her class. And uh, her, her reward is she gets to pick a prize out of their class treasure chest. And she picks out a box of crowns. And gives them to the child who didn't have any. Oh. Now, who would who wouldn't want to be friends with someone who thinks that way? Right. How much better would the world be if more kids, more people, more adults thought that way? Now, and, and those ideas of good teammate moves. We just got to find a way to make more more people understand that they are a teammate, and they have an obligation to make good teammate moves. Mm. I love that. And how amazing that, that kid must have felt too, because now he's no longer left out. He has crayons of his own. And your daughter demonstrated to him kindness, empathy, and, and took it, the initiation upon herself to just to help him. And I'm sure he in the future will pay back that kindness. And that's probably one of those things that will always stay in his mind. Sure. I, we hope so. In the spirit of paying it forward. And, you know, you look at any one intersection in someone's lifeline of where the direction of their life changes. You know, your good teammate move could be that that, that point. Wow. Wow. I love it. Lance. And, you know, we could probably do an entire podcast about stories I've heard of good teammate moves. In fact, that's one of the next projects I'm working on. Uh, uh, is I'd like to have a collection just of those stories. I think they're kind of inspirational, impactful uh, stories that people like to hear, need to hear. Yes. Well, I you I know you have a new book coming out. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, the book is The Week Year, and it's very much about the art of being a good teammate. And I dive more, more into uh, the concept of those five behaviors and what it really means to be an alive teammate. Um, the, you know, the interviews and the people I've talked to uh, for that book of, of propelled me to an entirely different level. And I think it's going to be really impactful. It's kind of message that uh, we have a lot of people in our society, just they need to hear. So I'm, I'm really optimistic that uh, that book's going to be a game changer. I have Pardon no, the doubt pun. no doubt it will. Well, thank you again, Lance, for joining me today, but not just for joining me, but thank you for being a true world shifter and continuously impacting others with your message. We definitely need more people like you in this world. Thank you. The pleasure was mine. Good teammates care. Good teammates share. Good teammates listen. Love it. Be a good teammate. <laughs> For more information about Lance and his good teammate mission, you can check out his website, www.coachloya.com. All of his books are av available for purchase there, as well as on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and all the normal book outlets. And go sign up for his blog. It's so good. It blows my mind every week. So, And anyone who signs up today will also receive the free copy. I believe it's the ebook for Teammate Tuesdays, correct? Correct. All right. Well, I hope everyone goes over and signs up. And once again, thank you so much, Lance, for joining me today. Pleasure was mine. I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Lance Loya. 
Be sure to leave a review on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, or Podbean. Your ratings and reviews help others find this podcast while also serving as feedback to help me grow. Grab the episode notes on my website, mindbizlife.com. And don't forget, I'm on Instagram and Twitter at at mindbizlife. I share daily inspiration to fuel your life on Instagram, so go over there and, and check that out. And as always, thank you for tuning in today. I'll see you next week. And until then, remember, every level of life is an opportunity to grow. Be well, my friend.